2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We are loaded up. We'll talk with Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Get uh, his take. A great story from Vogues on Mickey Joseph and uh, the recruiting bump Uh, he has given Nebraska. We'll dive in there. CBS Sports out with their coaches' rankings In the Big Ten that came out yesterday. We'll get to it today. And in our two, plenty of preview for you. Phil Steele, college football preview 2022. 28 years with Phil. He is candid. He is uh, more times than not on point. And we'll get the uh, lowdown from him as he projects Nebraska. He projects the Big Ten West. Big Ten as a whole, and just for good measure, a little playoff run. Who's going to be in? Gary Barnett will join us as well. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the the chemistry topic with the portal additions for Nebraska and how how guys and why guys play so hard and so well for Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, You you think about Northwestern and and how they have seen a, a rise and an increase in First and second round NFL talent. I mean, the last three years, they put a first or second rounder into the league. In some instances, they had a couple of first rounders, I think, during 2021's draft. So we'll talk uh, with Coach Barnett to get his thoughts on things. And, you know, I got to thinking about this. I'm going to ask him. Think about Barney. He grew up, went to Missouri. Budweiser guy. Spent a lot of time in, in, in Chicago, and Chicago's a bud town. You know that. Harry Carey. But he spent a lot of his career and still lives in in Boulder, right? During the uh, the, the non two hundred degree days in in Scottsdale, he's he's in Colorado. He's in Boulder. So is Barnett a Budweiser or a Coors Light guy? Hmm. I mean, or think about that. I mean, he's had the best of both worlds.
3: This is a hard-hitting question. Well, it,
2: it's it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's after all the football stuff. But we'll ask Barty, are you going Budweiser or are you going Coors? Numbers to get in can join us at 466-3776, 466-3776, 825 5865. Can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com, and uh, find us on Twitter at schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me, at herbal essence for Elijah Herbal, is uh, where you find him. And it is National Dive Bar Day today. Mm. So, best dive bar in Lincoln is.
3: Oh, there's some good options.
2: I'm going to probably rock Tam O'Shanter. Okay, okay. I'll give you that one. It depends. What, what, depend what do you cl- what do you classify as a dive bar?
3: See, JJ Hooligans downtown used to be a dive bar. Okay, and then they moved to their new location, and now it's no longer a dive bar. Right. So they they, they, they used you, to be atop my list.
2: See, and and I don't the, like the two bars I go to. I go to the bar, the bar, and I go to to Duffy's. Love both mm-hmm. of them. Love both. Uh, Seth and Gregors and, and Hattie. I mean, those, those are good dudes. They're incredible. And I love just the chill. It, it's fun. It's fun to be there. It's fun to be doing a, a, a post game at the bar, the bar uh, after Iowa. Someday we'll, we'll be doing a post game after a win against Iowa. Yeah, you would think, uh, we being the show, not we uh, part of Nebraska. We're not. We, we just want to see good football. But so that's where I'm at. Uh, junior had a baseball tournament out in Kearney. And I'm trying to scroll through it. And find where we were in Carney, but this place—I mean, it—it it, it had flat-screen TVs. It only accepted cash, but I was expecting the old Zenith console mounted <laughs> somewhere. In, in they had they had pool tables, they had shuffleboard. It was and it was open at at ten thirty on a Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so me and the wife and. Another friend went there because, you know, Junior had to be there. It was the, the the Palm Garden Lounge in Kearney, and it was awesome. You get a tall boy before uh, breakfast or, or, you know, for brunch, and then you go watch Junior play ball. So that's the, the last we'd, we'd hit after we got done teaching. We'd probably hit the Tam O'Shander a couple, three times a month because uh, we needed it, mm-hmm. and there we have it. Harry's Wonder Bar was great in college. Harry's too. Wonder Bar is still great. Yes, still love Harry's Wonder Bar, uh, where, where the smoke just stays. Right, it's it's been non smoking for twenty plus years in Lincoln, but <laughs> but it still is is there.
3: It's uh, the same with uh, Madsens, where it hasn't been smoking for twenty plus years now, but it still just dude. Really I, I grew up there, in so. Madsens. It's, it's
2: part of the appeal. softball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my dad played softball and. Yeah, it was good. So you want to send in your your favorite dive bar? You can email that Chris at HailVarsity dot com. I do
3: like Arnold's Tavern out here in Half. It is awesome. Arnold's, Arnold's is Tavern Arnold's is a good money. One. That's so good, and it's within walking distance of my house.
2: Is it? Yeah. Okay, so you're right there. Yeah. <laughs> note to self: <laughs> Let's go to Arnold's. Have a safety meeting with Moats. Crash at Elijah's. Go. I got a perfectly good couch or two. So do you do? All right. Well, there you go. So we'll uh, our old buddy. Uh, Greg in Michigan emails in, uh, Not if not craft beer, then Coors and Coors Light. So, uh, Greg is siding with Team Coors over Team Budweiser. I'm Team Budweiser. Are you? Team Budweiser, yeah. See, if I'm going heavy, I like the banquet beer, the Schaefer Special, mm-hmm. the yellow cans. But uh, more so Coors Light. That's what we had with beer and tacos the other night. To football we go. Let's get into uh, coaches' rankings. Man, uh, so am going to lay this out for you. CBS Sports has been, dare we say, direct about Nebraska football for 2022. And what they have done is they've listed uh, the where the coaches rank in the Big Ten. And just for context here, what they have done, and this was probably around spring ball time or a little after. So they had the rankings of all of the power five coaches, worst to, to first, right, in descending order. And I think Frosty was 53rd or something like that. That sound about right. Somewhere in there. So the Big Ten has nobody in the league that cracks the top five. They have five coaches ranked in the top 15, totally agree with that, eight in the top 25, 12 in the top 40. That is a testament to the conference's tradition as well as overall spending power. You're going to pay to get good coaches. And you have a number of coaches that have had to to reinvent, had a few surprises uh, with COVID, and still kept churning on. Let me ask you this. You got one game to win and you can take anybody from the Big 10. Who are you taking? Who are you going to take? One game to win, one coach, and let's just let's make it say you're a you're a B level program. Say you're 9 and 3 Ten and two. You're not Ohio State five star rich. You're not Michigan five star rich. Let's say you're Sparty, where you got to develop some three stars. Not saying Michigan State's; they were top ten and eleven and two last year, but that was a that was a lot of a lot of portal hit, and that was some good old fashioned coaching by Mel. They found ways. They also got rocked. They were on the the doorstep of. Of a, of a playoff conversation. And then Ohio state dropped a nuke on them. So here's what I'm thinking. Ohio state Ryan day comes in at number one. Disagree with that. Agree. Listen, he hasn't wrecked the Ferrari yet. I think by now he would have wrecked the, the Ferrari, a Rose bowl and eking out a win and, and two losses. They lost it home to Oregon, st- to Oregon. And then they got rocked by Michigan. But they were in the playoffs. They've been in the playoffs and they've been in the playoff conversation every day, every, every season. He took over for Urban. That is brutal trying to follow someone that good who won 91% of his, his Big Ten games, right? I mean, you can count on one hand. Urban Meyer lost to who? He lost to Purdue, <laughs> he lost to Iowa, mm. and he lost to Sparty. That's it. In, in his time at Ohio State, he's come in, has the best talent. Your job's not to screw up the talent. I have no problem with Ryan Day being number one.
3: Yeah, but there's, there's a only the only knock really I can think of against him. He's is, supposed to be this good, right? Yeah, is and he'll have the occasional game once a season where you see Ohio State get out physical and you go, what yeah. Is that? yeah, 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 there's, yeah. Occasionally they shouldn't, sometimes, but they do. Mm-hmm, I, I think back. The first half against Minnesota, first game of the year last year, you went, wow, Ohio State's getting out physical by Minnesota. What's going on? And eventually their talent sh- shined through, and that's been the story of this Ohio State team is there's been occasional times where the physicality isn't there, but they they let their talent shine through, and it usually gets them to the finish line. But that's really the only knock you can make against Ryan Dave. The recruiting's been top-notch. The results have been top-notch. Sending players off to the NFL has been top-notch. There's really not much that you can take away from his tenure.
2: You know, you know what I'll say is this. They're a different squad than the team that won the championship. And what I mean by that is they found a way with backup talent at quarterback, but it was that offensive line and it was Zeke Mm -hmm. running the football. It was the Boses on the defensive line. To me, the Ohio State identity is shit to more of the skill and less of the run game. Uh they, they beat Clemson in a playoff game and got to the national championship chip game behind fields and a sweet run game, a great one-two punch. And you got Travion Henderson again that if they're smart, they're going to lean on. I wonder if they kind of come back to being a little more downhill physical despite all of the options at receiver. You can do both and kill it. Mm-hmm. But to win in the Big Ten, you have to want to run the football. And they didn't really want to run the football in the snow against Michigan. They they got punched in the face by Oregon. And that was without Thibodeau. He didn't play that game, which was odd. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they if they get a little more nasty this year, but you're right. They've been out physicaled a few times. That's unheard of to see.
3: And that's really, it feels like the only way you, you're going to beat this Ohio State team.
2: No, yeah, for sure. you got you got to really hurt them. So Ryan Day comes in at number one. Jim Harbaugh at two. Uh, there's some recency here, but Harbaugh's always been a good coach. He's just tough to take, and just he's just Jimbo, right?
3: And for reference, these are your two guys that are in the top ten uh, of national
2: coaches. Ryan Day at six, and Harbaugh, Harbaugh at nine. nine. Yeah. Kirk Ferentz, look, that guy is detail-oriented. He develops... They produce linemen. They find a running back. They've had good receivers. Their tight ends have been incredible. Their front sevens are sweet. They've got guys in the NFL playing in the secondary routinely. Iowa coming in at number three is, is fair. I like Paul Crist, but I don't know that if it's going to last to the level of how he started out at Wisconsin. Right, going 11 and 2, had a 12 and 1 season. They, to me, are on the verge of, of maybe slipping a notch. We'll see. They, they still found Braylon Allen. <laughs>
3: still found Braylon Allen, but of the teams in the Big Ten, it feels like they're one of the, the quote unquote big dogs of the Big Ten yeah. that seems slow and reluctant to adopt any NIL real making it their strong suit and i don't want to sit here well, I, i'm barry, not the most informed about their nil policy but they're a school that i have seen almost nothing from on the nil front
2: no well i mean come on dude it's old school barry mm-hmm. i know he's retired but still has a lot of fingerprints and that's why be left he wanted to get paid right and barry's got a certain mindset james franklin in at number five Hmm. I think James is super organized. James got a big old pay raise despite seven and six because he flirted with that SC opening. James brings in really good talent, uh, and they're eight and ten the last two years in the Big Ten. He comes in at five, and maybe this is recency bias, but those last two—I mean, from the, the rankings point of view—I'm surprised those two are ahead of Pat Fitzgerald. Pat comes in at six. Okay, I think Fitz. So, what do you what do you look at with Fitzgerald? Do you do you believe the? Do you believe the three and nines snuck in between the ten and twos or ten and threes in the West? I mean, the guy's won the West two out of the last four years, but he's also gone three and nine. They went winless in conference last year. Fleck in at seven. Tucker eight. Brahm, nine. I've listed off a bunch of really, really good football coaches. Shiano's done it once before to the tune of a number two ranking. He's in at 10. What I'm telling you is Scott Frost comes in dead last. Dead last in ranking when it comes to the Big Ten coaches' rankings by CBS Sports. Behind Tom Allen, who is a incredible one-hit wonder, and then they went two and ten last year. He's behind Loxley. He's behind Loxley. You know why? Because Loxley at least went to a freaking bowl game last year, and he's got little two of there throwing footballs around for four hundred yards. So that is going to go in the old mirror, like he's Rocky training for Drago. Hmm. <laughs> gonna crumple that up, throw it in the garbage. We'll get Vogues' take on that. Surprised? Angered? Agree? With where CBS comes in with their Big Ten college football coaches rankings. Is is Frost the, the last rated coach in the Big Ten? I know he's had the worst record. Bielema getting some credit in year one for damn near bull eligibility. Hey, there, there 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 is truth in numbers and five and twenty-nine is it. But he's not the worst coach in the Big Ten. I I, I don't know that Loxley's long for this world. I think Tom Allen's a bad season away. And everyone else there is really damn good. I'll say that. Brandon Vogel on the way with Hale Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarcity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
1: And we're back. Fellas, so, we could listen to the radio listen? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Phil Steele to preview Nebraska and the Big Ten in 35 minutes. Gary Barnett on the way. to Dive Bar Thursday. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, HaleVarsity.com dot and magazine managing editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. That's where you find him. Vogues, is there a favorite dive bar in Nebraska you visited?
4: Ooh, that's that's a that's a really good question. I mean, I worked at one of Hemingfords uh, in my, my summer between between undergrad between graduating college and then going to graduate school. Um that was an interesting, but, uh, an experience that I have fond memories of, uh, worked there over multiple times. And then, well, I can't even call that the place that I worked, the dive bar, because the actual dive bar was across the street where you could go and, you know, get draft beers for like a $1.50, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of where we'd end up because it was open later. <laughs> so that's Casey's in, in Hemingford, Nebraska has got to be up there. Um. I'm I'm drawing a blank on names but from my college time there were definitely some some haunts that we that we hit in in Hastings pretty often. You know the key I think like if if a place has shuffleboard. Yes. I think that's always a good sign.
2: You just nailed it. It's got to have shuffleboard uh, to be in the conversation. It's got
4: to have a beat up pool table too.
2: Yeah, right? I mean beat up pool table is a good call. What what's your have you been to the Tam O'
4: I haven't been there actually. Dude, what are you um, coming,
2: which, when are you coming to Lincoln? Come on.
4: At some point this fall, um, <laughs> my when I, my, my graduate my graduate school years in Boston, uh, I, I went to went to school in a place that was like right off Boston Common. Uh, the 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 diviest probably of dive bars that I've ever been in was called the Tam. In Boston, it's where I watched the Red Sox uh, close out the Yankees in 2004 in the ALCS. Uh, it was it was a pretty pretty great place. In fact, I'm going back to Boston in a couple of weeks, and I'm I'm hoping to get there, even though there's nothing remarkable or special about it.
2: I forget the place, but it was right outside Old Tiger Stadium, where it was Schlitz and non filters, and it was. A twelve thirty ball game, and some of some of the uh, Detroit's finest had been there since uh, six a.m. So uh,
4: yeah. I, I wish uh, you know the homey the in in Omaha okay. has to be in the discussion for me as well as well.
2: Uh, our old buddy Vic in Denver says the Green Onion in Omaha. Is, is one of his That's spots. Another good one. I need to hit that. I need to find my way back to, to Omaha and, and, and do that. But, yeah, there's a few in, in Lincoln that are good. To football we go. Uh, a thought here on CBS Sports, their Big Ten coaches ranking, and Frosty coming in at number 14 out of 14. The other way.
4: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't it, – It's it's weird because I don't feel like – despite everything that's happened over the past four years, I don't feel like he's, he's the worst coach in the big 10 right now, but it's kind of tough to build a case against that. And, it, you know, I'll just talk for me personally. Like mm-hmm. I was not high on the Mike, like Mike Locksley hire at Maryland. Like I thought that was a poor move. Maryland's been better than I thought they would be to this mm-hmm. point under him. Greg Schiano at, at Rutgers, um, the records not not going to blow you away, but it's impossible to argue that they're not making you know making gains. They were basically dead on arrival upon upon his him taking that job back over, and they have a pulse now. So you you can't you can't argue that. It's just it, it becomes tough. And with Belemma and Mel Tucker having good starts to their Big Ten tenures, it's just kind of process of elimination. You, you got to go there, unfortunately. So. Not surprised by the ranking. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can say it. I, I totally agree with it, but it's just it, – it is what it is.
3: Brandon, can I get your take here on the fact that not a single Big Ten coach landed in their national top five? Their, their top five is Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley, and Jimbo Fisher. Do, do you think that's a good top five, or do you think a, a Ryan Day or a Jim Harbaugh needs to be up in that top five?
4: I think, I think Ryan Day needs to, needs to be behind Saban and Sweeney who basically are the people who, you know, even with Clemson, falling all the way to poor poor old Clemson, as as Donald always says, to 10 wins last year, um, those two are pretty much solidified at the top two. I I, I think I would put Ryan Day third because following up what Urban Meyer did at Ohio State, which is basically when 80-plus percent of his games, is not easy. And, and Nebraska fans should, should know that pretty well post-Osborne. Post the most amazing thing, I th- in my opinion, that Osborne did was there was not a drop-off from the Devaney era. And that's super, super hard to do. It, it almost never goes that way. And, and I remember writing this uh, when, when Ryan Day took over there. I'm like, I think he's a good coach. I think he has the potential to be a really good coach. Like, it's just hard to, to win at the level that the guy before him did. And he's done that. Um, And in some ways, he's modernized Ohio State a little bit. Uh, So he would be probably number three for me. Um, So, yeah, it, it surprises me a little bit that he wasn't in the top five.
2: Brandon Vogel, managing editor with us, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Add Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Voges, you have a story up on HaleVarsity.com. Folks can subscribe, HaleVarsity.com, backslash subscribe. Get the digital and print combo. You will love it. But uh, titled, Into the Great Wide Open. And you spend some time here reflecting on Nebraska, the wide receiver position, and the job Mickey Joseph's done.
4: Yeah, so dug into that from a recruiting perspective a little bit, and you know it gets it gets interesting pretty pretty fast because you know the basic setup of that story is Nebraska has signed under in, in the Frost era, so 2018 on in terms of recruiting, signed nine four-star receivers, which in the 24/7 ratings world is basically .9 or better. Five of those guys are still on the roster. Two of those guys are transfers that have come in since. So you've got Trey Palmer and Marcus Washington. Um, one of them is Bonner, who, who signed in this most recent class, and Marion Miller, a guy who signed this week, is is also in that list because I'm just counting signees and commits mm-hmm. at this point. So you have got five of, well, four of the top nine, uh, plus one who's yet to get here. So. It's been a, you know, you, you can't. I don't think argue with the impact that Mickey Joseph has had right away. I don't feel like I know a ton about Nebraska's receivers group, as I as I wrote in that story. I can't look at look at the roster or you know look at the players in person and say, well, well, there's your guy right there. That's the one who's going to lead you to I don't know. I mean, there's a lot still up in the air, but the talent level has increased slightly. And that's that's the bulk of that story is kind of looking at where Nebraska's talent level has been based on those recruiting ratings, um, and where it's at now, just post Mickey Joseph. And it's it's risen a little. I mean, Nebraska's flirting at a flirting with a four star rating on average for the receivers that have come in since Mickey Joseph was hired.
3: Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brandon, let's just look at that wide receiver position uh, as we approach the 2022 season. Uh, I want to get your take on a guy pre-fall camp. Who, who's the guy you're looking at that you think could be that, that number one target in the wide receiver room? I mean, that that really seems up in the air still. You, you don't know who Casey's favorite, uh, Casey's favorite target is going to be. and uh, I just want to get your take if you have a lean on who that guy might be.
4: Yeah, it, it, it'll be a slight lean because I don't know either. <laughs> um I, I think it could be it could be Palmer just based on his his experience. He's obviously got the, the connection with Washington. So maybe maybe that helps the the Texas connection. Um, but I, but I still lean Palmer, I, I think it's best for Nebraska. like it says a lot about when Nebraska's capable in 2022 if we're four games into this year, and you're looking at, oh, Omar Manning's going nuts. And, and I, would, I would put Alonte Brown, honestly, in that category a little bit, too. Um, he, he's a slot receiver. He, he's not the guy who is probably just going to win balls downfield for you, uh, which I think somebody like Manning has the potential to do. But everything we've heard about Alonte Brown this offseason from Joseph and others has been glowing. Um, and and I, I put some stock in that. So I think he's, he's poised to have a pretty good year as well. So if I, if I had to put him in order, who's going to be leading Nebraska in receptions or receiving yards, say, halfway through the season, so six games in, I'd probably go Palmer, Manning, Brown, Washington.
2: Vogue's going to go on the recruiting front. We've outlined what Mickey's done just this week. But uh, since he's been in Lincoln... So let's turn our attention towards the, the big fish uh, over at Lincoln East, Malachi Coleman, and Nebraska's prowess with Mickey Joseph as the lead recruiter to, to land the top in-state target. Nebraska's done an amazing job here for 2023. They've done really well in-state. They've lost some in-state, but you're going to have 10 kids go BCS schools, right? I mean, it's, 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 you're losing to Oklahoma, okay? Uh, yeah. You're losing to some some big dogs, um, and that's not ever great for Nebraska fans, but you, you can't understand. Let's let's talk Malachi Coleman. Let's talk Oklahoma, Michigan, Nebraska. Uh, Mickey's gonna gonna give Nebraska the best chance. That being said, I mean, is it still uh, up in the air for you with this recruitment? Yeah, I
4: think so because you know, last we heard from from Malachi himself. You know, the the plan was, like, this isn't a summer commit. This is probably a December commit, which, you know, at a certain point, like, he's out there, he's taking visits, he's going to camps, he's doing the whole thing that you should do if you're a recruit of his caliber. Um, At some point, his football season is going to start, and he's going to be in Lincoln. Uh, for the for the most part there not that you can't take in season visits but you know you've got your season and Mm -hmm. nebraska's right there so that might actually play into to nebraska's favor a little bit um you know to put it in the context of some stuff we were just talking about like based on his current rating like he would be the fourth highest rated receiver nebraska has signed since since 2018 so that's that's kind of the talent level you're you're dealing with, and I understand. Like recruiting rank, rankings are not, you know, the gospel truth all the time, but it's the best thing we have to go on. He's an interesting case for Joseph with me because, okay, you know, the, the coldest Crawford get was a good one. Trey Palmer was a good get. Amari um, and Miller was a good get. Miller and Crawford were were former LSU commits. They'd already said like. Mickey's my guy, and that's who I want to play for. So getting them to Nebraska, I don't want to discount it, but you know, you had some groundwork laid there. LSU hadn't offered Crawford uh, at the time that in early December, at the time that Joseph took over. So that's one that it's an interesting test case. And like, if he ends up going someplace else, it's not like well. Uh, you know, Mickey Joseph didn't get it done. I'm not saying that at all. It's just an interesting test case for, like, how, how quickly can he build those relationships? How much resonance does his, do his words have with a local guy, which gives Nebraska a leg up, who also can go pretty much anywhere in the country if, if he wants to. So it's going to be one that it, it, it's going to be a long, I think a long haul with his recruitment, uh, but one that's going to be pretty fun to watch.
2: Brandon Vogel. Vogues, have a good uh, rest of your day. We'll check in this weekend.
4: Sounds good, guys. Thank you.
5: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's slash subscribe, promo
1: code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel.
2: Be sure to check out his interview if you just caught part of it or want to hear it again. ESPNLinkin.com, where you go for the on demand. Elijah will get that thing posted up on. ESPN Lincoln's Twitter feed as well. And check uh, the Kaz interview out too. We talked to Kaz on Tuesday. Good stuff on off season training, individual work, and got to the high school level as far as kids thinking about specializing. So that was one of the earlier topics this week. Uh, Saturday, we're on the road. Wilderness Ridge, the site where they're 7 to 9 a.m. ahead of. The, uh, the Team Jack golf outing, Searles, Spencer Long, uh, Rex Burkhead, the crew, they're going to be there, and uh, they are going to raise money uh, for uh, Team Jack, and uh, we're just excited to be uh, kind of a little uh, preview to some great golf, but more importantly, a chance to raise funds to fight pediatric brain cancer. Uh, a week from Saturday, we're out at uh, Woodland Hills for the Tee Off for Treasures. So excited about that. Uh, to help uh, raise some money, raise some funds for the fight against pediatric brain cancer. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Two topics, your top dive bar, either in the state, in the city where you're at. You can email chris at halevarsity.com or dial us up or find us on Twitter. Also, we are into the coaches' rankings from CBS Sports. Scott Frost coming in dead last That is where they have him ranked. Uh, Email in from uh, from Greg. Frost is the worst at this point. Game management issues, special teams, play calling, especially in the red zone. Frost is total prove-it mode this season. Well, the play calling looks good when you practice it. You got to get down to executing it. Red zone's been a little crusty. Absolutely, they need to be better in the red zone. Special teams, I think that isn't going to turn immediately into uh, Deion Sanders or uh, Virginia Tech blocking punts every punt attempt, but I think you're going to see a monster flip for the better that won't cost you games in 2022 with Bill Bush. Just call me crazy. So uh, that that's where I'm at. So things can go a better direction and still not half to be great for the football team so let's uh, dive in quickly to uh, ireland right uh, you had an update on ireland and you had a couple of huskers uh, talking about the trip uh ramir johnson nick henrich were there uh earlier today so, Nebraska fans heading over right now, about 9,000 game tickets sold. Northwestern's fan account, slightly more than 3,000. Your deadline to buy through the schools is going to be Monday. So, yeah, have folks uh, for Ireland hoping to fill the 47,500 seat capacity stadium to about 75%. Uh, they believe Nebraska will hit the 10,000-ticket-sold uh, mark. And um, you had uh, Ramirez and Henrich touch on the the pressure that is Week 0. Elijah, you and I remember last year, man. We, we checked in from Champaign. We knew it was going to be a big ball game. We knew it was going to be Week 0. That was supposed to be in Ireland a year ago. In week zero, it was the bela home opener. It wasn't sparse, but, man, Nebraska really just got off on the wrong foot and hurt the rest of their season. That that doubt, the inability to, to make something happen, to make a play and go win a ball game, uh, it, it, it's lingered, right? You need that over-the-hump moment where you can snatch onto it and and feel all right. But, yeah, guys – are trying to block out that outside noise, but also you know be confident. But man, it's it's delicate to to go play free and not worry when uh, bad lucks kind of followed you around. And and sometimes you make your own bad luck with special teams or turnovers or red zone, for sure. And I I think I think you'll have a little bit better balance. You need to have better balance with what you're asking the quarterback to do, what your running game is, and offensive line-wise. One thing I'm interested in with this offense is is the Mark Whipple factor. Saw how great and dynamic it was with, with Pitt, with the first-round quarterback and the Bolitnikoff wide receiver. But while Pitt wasn't running for three Bills a game, I thought they were patient enough in the run game. What's, what's the... Um, commitment level like to the run game is it going to be run first or is it going to be pass first with all these weapons all the receivers and the quarterbacks you have to choose from
3: and i think back to that really infamous frost quote after the illinois game last year where it got plastered all over social media where he said we weren't expecting what we saw out there on saturday we we weren't ready for it and now i look at it in 2022 and it's the the uh, the opposite side of the equation where Nebraska can be the ones that come out and surprise Northwestern come week zero. We, Northwestern's going to have no idea what Nebraska's offense looks like. We even sitting here have pretty close to no idea what Nebraska's offense is going to look like. Uh, so it, it could be flipped this year in in, in, uh, in a week zero matchup in Ireland where uh, maybe Nebraska is the one that's pulling some surprises out on Saturday and they're the ones that catch Northwestern off guard early because that's what hurt Nebraska, as you said, last year. The fact they came into that game and they were – a nervous looking, and B, they were caught off guard. By what Illinois was Dude, doing, the
2: pucker factor was like a thousand out of ten. Mm-hmm. And once Nebraska has had that moment in a game where victory's been ripped away, and for that Illinois game, it was the scoop and score oh, before half. half. <laughs> right, oh. it was a scoop and score before half. It was a two point conversion returned against Oklahoma. After you, you get a cigarette and a blindfold and your kicker bangs one home from fifty on the opening drive, how'd that go in? Right? I mean, think of, think of one of one of his he he was fifty percent as a field goal kicker, and the one he made was your opening response drive after Oklahoma went up seven nothing. You you smoke a a field goal. I think Nebraska led actually. They're up three nothing, right? And then Oklahoma scores, and then you you get an extra point blocked. And it's returned Greg Beekert style without any snowballs flying. So, man, just little things like that. And, and what I think... It is, goes into this 14 ranking. yeah,
3: 100% right. But I think what, what is on Nebraska's favor this year is that going into Week 0 against Northwestern, it's more likely they give Northwestern that pucker factor than Northwestern gives it to Nebraska, despite Nebraska's history, just with the fact that Nebraska come out and, and surprise Northwestern Week 0. I don't think anything Northwestern is going to do that Pat Fitzgerald game plan is going to surprise
2: Nebraska. What are you planning for? You're, you're planning for, for a pit offense uh, without the pit parts, right? <laughs> and do you get a run downhill run game? Does Nebraska actually take care of the football? Do they cover you on special teams? Management's been, aside from last year, management has been a, a specialty of Pat Fitzgerald. Think back to that first meeting in 2018 where they came back from 10 down to force overtime we'll wind down hour one next
1: and now and now back to Hale varsity radio
2: one final time this hour we're 10 minutes away from the college football preview with phil steel and uh, your college football bible on newsstands with uh, barnes and noble and you can also philsteel.coms where you log on to get uh, the orders there but Phil going to walk down uh, the Big Ten West with us. His take on the Big Red, his take on Ohio State. Who are some playoff folks, and you can say it with me. Georgia, Clemson, Bama, and probably uh, Ohio State. But what's he think of Nebraska? What's he think of Scott Frost going into year five? Get his take on that. Gary Barnett will join us. And uh, we are celebrating Dive Bar Thursday which is uh, always fun to be a part of. You know what? I got a haircut later on in the night. I might have to go find a dive bar about 6.05 tonight.
3: Well, see, I was sitting here thinking this hour, and I realized we haven't mentioned a dive bar in the Omaha area, and I have one I would like to to honor sure. here on this show, Beer City. Beer City. It's at forty about 42nd and I think it's L Street in Omaha, and uh, what gets it on the list for me is their, uh, their bar is a lacquered, set <laughs> of like old 80s baseball cards oh really so their entire bar is just all these old 70s and 80s baseball players uh and you like you just get to sit there and look at all these different players as you wait for your beard or how your many beard.
2: george brett rookies are uh plastered on there i don't think i saw a single one but That's good
3: but i did see uh todd van poppel
2: okay yeah the 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 tops rookie from yeah. 1990 yeah so it, some of us may have that set still
3: so whenever uh, – whenever that's how I, I got the connection. Whenever Riley Van Poppel committed, I, I I had just seen that like the night before. I was like, I wonder if there's any connection there. Well, not the night before. Is that what No, that
2: though? works. That works well. But Beer, can
3: beer e- City up in Omaha.
2: Nope. Can, uh, can email the show, chris at com. Do that. Can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt on Twitter. And Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence is where you go. But, no, I think if we're making a checklist for dive bar needs – I think it's got to be a unique setup with pool table and or shuffleboard. I think Vogel hit that. It has to have Bush Light on tap. Mm
3: -hmm. Fair? Yeah. Uh,
2: I think there needs to be two or three regulars. that (laughs) They are just there, and maybe you're the regular if you see them every time you go in. But I think that's, that's a fair assessment. There's a couple regulars that everyone knows their name. It's almost like the norm, right? From Cheers. I think that's important. So, why not? And, and
3: I also feel like, at least in, in the Nebraska area, you got to have some sort of obscure sports memorabilia in there, whether it be a signed photo from a, a Husker or whether it be some signed football or so you got to have some piece of weird obscure sports memorabilia.
2: No, totally fair. Totally fair on that. Um, I you see a lot of like Husker beer signs that are good, but I think what classifies you in a high level is how old is the Husker schedule poster yep. hanging in your bar? Right? Is it is it the scoring explosion from eighty three that's still in pristine condition? Do you have a picture of the Sandman and Broderick Thomas on the beach? That one? I don't know. There's, there's a lot of options with the, the old dive bar. So we'll uh, get you to Phil Steele. We'll talk to Phil shortly his take on Nebraska and the Big Ten. Gary Barnett next hour. Hour 2 with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine or annual football yearbook and all the premium content we Produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Back into it at Tower 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mr. College Football with us, and we say hi to Phil Steele. College Football Preview, uh, 28 years of excellence, and the 2022 edition is there for you digitally or on your newsstand. We say hi to Phil. Phil, thanks for the time. Great to talk some ball with you.
6: Yeah, always fun talking with you, Chris. Uh, we've been doing this together for quite some time now, and uh, voice very familiar, so good to talk to you again.
2: Well, it is great to hear from you when we talk, Phil. That means college football's just around the corner, 51 days, but yes, we're counting, and uh, a lot to, to dive into, and a lot to uh, just take a, a gander at, right, right, with, with uh, the realignment with USC, with UCLA, but... Uh, the the front the top of mind awareness for us is is uh, the Big Ten and Phil that's where I want to start is just your overall outlook who who do you believe is the biggest threat uh, what's your research and data told you uh, for Ohio State who could be uh, a challenger for the Buckeyes here in twenty twenty two.
6: Yeah, well, you know, Chris, uh, going back to last year, uh, using that as an example, uh, or using that as the reason for this year, uh, last year, and I talked to about 120 of the 131 head coaches out there, uh, and last year 90% of them told me, Phil, this is the deepest we've ever been. During COVID, everybody returned, with the exception of those players that got drafted, everybody else was back. So almost every team had 17, 18, 19 returning starters last year. They would say, Phil, this spring we were able to run three deep. We've never been able to do that before. And now uh, what happened was the, the powerhouses, you're, you know, you look at the Ohio State, didn't make the Big Ten title game. Clemson didn't make the ACC title game. Oklahoma didn't make the Big 12 title game because those teams all lost players of the draft, whereas everybody else had 17, 18, 19 returning starters. Well, this year, I think it's more of a return to normalcy. Everybody lost something this year, including the big boys, and I think that's going to really help teams like Ohio State. And with Ohio State, I see them as head and shoulders above everybody else in the Big Ten this year. You look at their overall recruiting classes, what they have coming back. I mean, they've got three Heisman Trophy candidates, uh, quarterback C.J. Stroud, running back Travian Henderson, wide receiver Jackson Smith Najibba, who actually broke school season season uh, single season uh, receiving record despite playing with two first round draft picks at the receiver position, improved offensive line, and they bring over Knowles for the defensive line. Plus, have plenty of talent. I do think they, they run the table, win the Big Ten this year. Tough top contenders. You know, Michigan's going to be up there. Uh, in fact, Michigan's got a chance of being eleven and zero when they face Ohio state that season final. Uh, but I don't think their defenses is good. They lose Aiden Hutchinson. They lose um, David, the Chris Hinton all from up front. They lose Ross and linebacker Hawkins and Hill from the defensive backs. Not, not as dominant as they were uh, defensively last year. And then the West, I think the West is wide open. We're going to see a lot of teams knock each other off. So, I think I don't know if there is a clear-cut contender to Ohio State this year. Michigan's probably going to give them their biggest challenge during the regular season.
2: Phil Steele's with us. Uh, college Football Preview 2022 can log on philsteele.com. Also, find him on Twitter at philsteele042. You, you led into the West. And who do you like or who has the best quarterback situation in the West as you look at it? Is it is it Purdue because of uh, of, of O'Connell coming back, or do you think there's uh, somebody else there that could surprise in the West in the Big Ten?
6: Yeah, I think we've got a lot of potential, uh, potential quarterbacks in the West. I mean, Illinois brings in Tommy DeVito, who I thought did a good job at Syracuse. He's a guy that can run and throw. Uh, his problem was he got injured. Uh, so the, if he can stay healthy... They've got a pretty good situation. Talking to Coach Fitzgerald this year, going over the team with them, he's pretty high on Ryan Holinski. He felt that Holinski was thrown into a tough situation last year, didn't really know the offense as well as he, as he uh, wanted him to, was going to redshirt. Then how to play him. Holinsky's a guy that started at South Carolina, and I think he'll have a much better year this year. Aiden O'Connell does rank as the top guy at this moment because he had the very productive year last year. throwing for 3,700 yards at the 28-11 ratio. Comes back as a senior. Your biggest concern with him is about the receiving core. Will they be as good, losing a guy like David Bell and Anthrop? But I think O'Connell has to come in as the number one guy. Casey Thompson's a guy that did well at Texas. Uh, and now he steps into more of a passing offense under Mark Whipple. Whipple just uh was the uh QB for Kenny Pickett at Bit, who had a fantastic year. And I think Thompson can do well. Tanner Morgan had a uh MVP type of season a few years back when uh Sirocco was his offensive coordinator. Soroka's back as offensive coordinator. Will Tanner Morgan regain that form they had two years ago? And then Spencer Peters from uh Iowa. Is a guy that uh, he's not flashy. He's not going to throw for three thousand yards, but he's a veteran quarterback. He's six foot five, two hundred and thirty three pounds, and he can get the job done. And then Wisconsin Graham Mertz might have the most upside of the seven quarterbacks that we have here in the Big or in the Big Ten West. Uh, but he has sure after that first game he had. In his first year against Illinois, he has been very inconsistent since then. If he can live up to his talent level, then he has the potential to really skyrocket among the West quarterbacks. But uh, I think all seven teams have potential there at the QB spot.
2: Phil Steele's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Specifically, Phil, let's dive into Nebraska. Your reaction to last year's 3-9. and What the numbers tell you about the Big Red? And, and what do you have slated for Nebraska, what do you think happens for Frost in year five?
6: Yeah, the numbers tell me they were a lot better team than the final record would indicate, that's for sure. I mean, they they outgained their opponents, outscored their opponents on the year, uh, and to be plus 56 yards per game in Big Ten play, you yeah, finished three and nine is uh, pretty remarkable. You had uh, every game, every loss last season was a close loss with the exception of Ohio State. And when I mean close loss, I mean within one score. So seven net close losses last year, and the three wins were by 45, 25, and 49 points. So this is a team that's way under the radar as far as uh, they were much better than the three and nine record. All my indicators out there are pointing heavy on Nebraska up. They had seven net close losses, four net upsets, plus 56 yards per game in Big Ten play. And uh, so it's really uh, uh, promising for them. But I'm going to take you back to 2019. They had a lot of signs pointing their way. I had them as my number one most improved team in the country. And Scott Frost and company disappointed me. They went five and seven. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen again. I do expect them to be a much better team. And I think they are a contender in the West this year if they can get those uh, close wins. <laughs>
2: Do you have Nebraska projected as a bowl team, Phil?
6: Yes, I do. I've got uh, Nebraska f- uh, probably favored in uh, seven of their games this year, six or seven of the games. And I think they definitely get to a bowl game, or seven or eight of their games, I should say. And I think they could pull an upset or two. So I, I, can, see, I can see them flipping the record from three and nine to nine and three, potentially.
2: Phil Steele's with us. College football preview. Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska, Big Ten, and uh, Ohio State, uh, where do the Huskers figure into the West race? Phil, you you, you dive into some of your games of the year. You, you look at most improved. As you look at Nebraska's offense specifically, where are they at on your radar when you look at, at the offensive line situation and just that side of the football for Nebraska? Nebraska turnovers have killed them and uh, their red zone efficiency has been been an issue. Defense was pretty good last year. You lost a lot. And then special teams has also been an Achilles heel that's supposed to be much better under Bill Bush.
6: Yeah, and thank goodness they brought in a special teams coordinator. It's something that Nebraska hasn't had recently, and uh, you can see it in the numbers. You go back and take a look at the – The last uh, three years, number of special teams rankings, they ranked number 111, 112, and 129. And there's a lot of coaches out there like uh, Duke's David Cutcliffe, who says you win three to four games a year on special teams. Looks like Nebraska might have lost three or four games a year due to special teams with all those close losses out there. Now, offense is going to be the key. They bring in a brand-new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. Mark Whipple likes to throw the football. Ask Pat Narduzzi about that. Uh, he will throw the football on first down, second down, third down. And that's quite a change. It's quite a change in the pass blocking schemes of the offensive line and, and quite a change overall for the offense. Well, Mark Whipple also produced some pretty good offenses, one of the top offenses in the country last year, led by Kenny Pickett. So I think a lot of it's going to be how quickly that offensive line adapts to the new offense, how quickly Casey Thomas Thompson emerges as its starting QB. Uh, and I don't have as much, and question marks on the defensive side for Nebraska. The offense would be the, the major question mark.
2: Phil, let's zoom out and talk a little bit on a national scale. Uh, we look at the some teams like Oregon and, uh, of course, Utah, uh, some favorites out of the Pac-12 while there still is a Pac-12. Uh, also, give me a thought here on the SEC uh, with uh, Bama and who can challenge Bama, uh, you know, and quite honestly, who can challenge Georgia. Where are you at with A&M? Let's look at both of those leagues real quick. First with the SEC, is it uh, tile or bust again for Saban?
6: Yeah, I believe it is. And this Alabama team is better prepared than they were last year. They're more experienced. They bring back the top offensive player in the country uh, in Bryce Young, and they bring back the top defensive player in the country and Will Anderson. This is one of the more experienced teams Alabama's had. They've had five-grade recruiting classes. They'll be favored in all 12 games, naturally. Uh, toughest game might be home against Texas A&M, uh, which is a team – equal to them talent-wise, but not equal to them experience-wise. A&M only brings back 11 returning starters. I think if you look at AM this year, I feel they're the third-best team in the SEC and maybe a year away from actually contending for the title. But I do think next year they are, excuse me, are an SEC title contender. And then Georgia. Georgia's just going to reload this year. They lose a ton on the defense, but they play three units on the defense. Uh, so, as inexperienced as they are, they're probably more experienced than you would think. And there is tons of talent that they have there. The offense is going to be even stronger. And Stetson Bennett showed he's a quarterback that can win. I do think the SEC title of the game comes down to Alabama, Georgia. and I think that's going to be a hell of a game.
2: It's it's been that way. Uh, you get him in the uh, the title game, and then you get him in the con- you know the national title game, the uh, the conference title game, and then the the national title game. Utah, are they a playoff team in your eyes?
6: I believe they can get there, no doubt about it. Uh, You know, last year they were a different team once Cam Rising took over at QB. Deep backfield, one of the best tight end rooms in the country. My number six rated offensive line, my number 17 rated defensive line. Uh, Linebackers, I rate number 11 in the country. DB's number 12. So they have potentially a top 10 offense, top 10 defense. I remember last year when they got lit up late against Ohio State, they had a running back playing defensive back. They had a walk-on playing defensive back. They had a banged-up secondary. They're much better in the secondary now that they've returned to health and have a player like Clark Phillips back there. And uh, So I think you take a look at their talent and then the schedule. Uh, The closest games this year at Florida in the swamp, where I've got them about a six point favorite at UCLA. I've got them a field goal favorite there. And then maybe the big game at Oregon, but I think Utah has got the potential to run the table. Their two biggest contenders in the PAC 12 are probably UFC and Oregon. And with Oregon, You know, you look at them, uh, the big knock on uh, their quarterback, Bo Nix, was he couldn't win on the road his first couple of years. But last year he won some big road games. And this year all of Oregon's big games are at home. They play Stanford, UCLA, Washington, Utah, all at home. The road game is very manageable. Washington State, California, Colorado, Oregon State. I think that gives them a great shot at getting to the Pac-12 title game. And finally, USC Got to love the job Lincoln Riley's doing there, especially through the transfer portal. I mean, this was a team that was 4-8 last year. They only have 11 returning starters. But he brings in Caleb Williams, his quarterback from Oklahoma. Mario Williams, one of his top wide receivers from Oklahoma. Jordan Anderson, the Blitnikoff winner from Pitt. Travis Dye, a 1,000-yard rusher from Oregon. Uh, The top receiver from Memphis, top receiver from Colorado, top receiver from Washington. He's got an offensive line that uh, he was surprised with. When I talked to Coach Riley, he says he likes the top-end experience and didn't expect to inherit this much talent. And then defensively, they had in Alabama, a guy that started 13 games for Bama was my number six running back or linebacker out of high school. on Shane Lee, he comes in the middle linebacker. They've got Makai Blackman coming over from Colorado, who was one of the more underrated cornerbacks in the country. Ton of transfers on the defense. I think they could be a. Uh, they are my number one most improved team in the country, and I think they can go from four to double digit wins.
2: Phil Steele's with us, Hale Varsity Radio College Football Preview. Phil, real quick, how do you factor in the, the transfer portion of this. Mel Tucker, the shining example, 11-2 and two and incredible last year for Sparty. Nebraska's kind of in that similar boat. They were right there with USC as one of the the more aggressive teams. I mean, 15 portal guys for Scott Frost and some really high-profile guys, not just a Casey Thompson, but also a, an O'Shaun Mathis, a win out of Alabama. I mean, Nebraska really went shopping How do you factor that in when it comes to prognosticating a team's success?
6: Well, I I think the, the main thing for me I'd like to see is the guys from the transfer portal win the starting job in the spring. I think that's the ones that are going to contribute the most. You know, talking to the coaches, it was hit and miss for the portal. And a lot of the uh, the group of five head coaches did not have as much success with the FBS transfers coming in as they did with the FCS transfers coming in. But I think among the FBS guys, uh, do your research, bring in the top guy. You can have an impact. And, and we saw that all over the country last year with a bunch of teams that did have an impact. So it is uh, it is hit and miss a little bit, transfer portal. You wonder if the guy's got an attitude why is he transferring? Why didn't it work out at the other school? But i find the Transfer Portal is definitely a good a good, a good replacement for if you lose a lot of players to bring those guys in. And as you touched on, Nebraska very active in the uh, Transfer Portal market.
5: Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hail Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: And now And now back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Back with you, at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, talking college football with Phil Steele. College football preview is out. It's been a great time chatting with Phil Steele as uh, we continue on. Some more thoughts as we wind down with Phil. Phil, last thought, Oklahoma is coming to Lincoln. Uh, no Lincoln-Riley, but Venables is uh, coming up to, to Lincoln. Huge non-conference game, huge nostalgia with the rivalry and uh, is that a, a springboard game? Is that a barometer game for you for Nebraska for the rest of the season? Or do you think it's Ireland? How do you kind of rate uh, like most important ball game for, for Nebraska this year?
6: Yeah, I would say to me, the more important game would be the Ireland game against okay. Northwestern. They got to come out there and win it. Northwestern's a very dangerous team under Fitzgerald coming off a losing season If they can win that, I think they are a Big Ten West title contender. And that's going to be huge there. If they lose that one, then all things are lost. Lose Oklahoma doesn't affect your Big Ten standings, and the Big Ten is really what they need to do. And they also need to get the wins. Now, as far as that game goes, I mean, last year was a heck of a game. Nebraska could easily have won that game, changed one play here, one play there. Could have won it. I thought they controlled a good portion of the game. Uh, and this year they get them at home, so it's going to be one of those toss-up games spread-wise. I will say this about Oklahoma. Uh, they only have 10 returning starters coming back, but Dylan Gabriel, at quarterback, this is a guy that had a fantastic 2019 season with Jeff Levy as his offensive coordinator. He's playing in the same system. It's Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator, Dylan Gabriel, QB. They've got Eric Gray. They've got a much-improved offensive line. They've got some dangerous receivers, and the defense Venables knows defense, and they should be well, and they also have a decent special team. So I think that's going to be an incredible game, and a great one is a national college football game, but more important in Nebraska is definitely the opener against Northwestern.
2: Phil Steele, college football preview. Phil, we'll get caught up again. Awesome to, to spend time with you. Thanks for the time today.
6: Hey, always a lot of fun, Chris, and uh, appreciate you having me on. And don't forget the magazine's available at Barnes & Noble, the first three weeks of July here. Uh, You can get it at Barnes & Noble starting on July the 9th, and then you can also go to the website philsteel.com. But always great talking with you, Chris.
2: Phil, you take care. Thanks. Phil Steele right there and says, yep, Ireland's the springboard. Nick Henrich uh, quoted earlier today, we know how important this game is. We're ready to roll. Let's uh, spend time with Gary Barnett, get his thoughts on some college football and uh, Nebraska as we uh, check in with the uh, the head coach, the former head coach with Colorado and Northwestern. Coach, how was the 4th?
0: Fourth, it was fun here, Chris. I don't know about you, but uh, all the grandkids, we had a big day, played a little golf, you know, went to the pool, did all that. It was a good day.
2: Man, that sounds like a plan. I, I got a little golf in. I will refrain from sending you a picture of the greens we putted on because they were torched, literally. Uh, uh, but it helped uh, bring down uh, my competition to my level of putting. So it was, it was nip and tuck, did the pool, did the barbecue thing. And coach, we are 51 days away from college football. Are you fired up.
0: You know, I, I think of it as like 20 days because I start, I start going to practices in 20 days. So, uh, to you, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's getting close. And, uh, my wife
2: rolls her eyes and goes, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Uh, my wife's hoping I don't come back from Ireland. But, uh, anywho, uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, the latest. It's been a week since the uh, college football world got turned on its ear, right, with uh, with USC and, and UCLA. And as you're, uh, you're hearing and seeing things, you know, what do you find more believable here with uh, – with your conference, the Pac 12, and specifically Colorado. Are you subscribing to, to the ACC and the Pac 12 combining? Do you think the Big 12 is going to be able to be uh, proactive and, and invite you guys back to the Big 12? I mean, uh, a week later, what do you see moving forward here? Any, any new feelings?
0: Well, you know, I tend to look at down the road and where I think it's going to end up. Chris, and um, I, I'm not sure of all the pieces moving around and where they're going to end up temporarily, but I, I do think in the end there's going to be a 40-team big-boy conference, and there's going to be two 45-team uh, divisions um, with everybody else. The, uh, the, power, the, the, the remaining Power 5 teams would be in the middle division, with some of the group of five teams moving up to make that 45 and then a lower level, uh, at, at 45, which would be mostly, well, probably all group of five teams. And I, I think they're going to all have their own playoff. I think that, uh, there's going to be uh, relegation. I think that, the, you, you're going to have to offer movement up and down in those groups and I, I think that um, uh, that there's probably going to end up being revenue sharing. I think that each one of those divisions will end up sharing revenue with all the players. And uh, the, the big boy conference or group of 40, um, they're going to make a lot of money. Those kids are going to make a lot of money because they're going to get a portion of the revenue for those 40 teams. And then the teams that don't produce, the teams that don't win, the teams that don't bring value to that big boy league mm-hmm. are going to get relegated down to the middle division. And then the, the teams that are in the middle that want to be playing in the big boy division are going to get relegated up. If, if they have won games, have dominated, have put seats in the stands, have, been, have brought value. And I think that's the way it's going to work. Now, when's that going to happen? I think it's at least five years away, but I think that's where it's moving. Mm. And uh, you know, so you can move all those leagues around you want and combine them. Uh, but I, I think, and I, and, and I frankly think it's going to be good for football. I think five years from now, when this model, if this model breaks, it, you know, does occur, then there's going to be enough TV money for both those two lower divisions. Uh, and those two, those two divisions will share revenue as well. It's just that when you're in the middle or the lower revenue, the lower tier, you're not going to, you know, the revenue is going to be minimal, but the revenue that's going to be for players in the upper division is going to be a lot. And so I think, uh, I think it'll be good for, for football. I think it'll be as good as anything we can come up with. And, um, I, that's where I see it heading. So, um, How it gets there, I'm not sure what that's going to be like, but that's where I do think it's going, or maybe I think it's where it should go.
2: Gary Barnett's with us. Hale Varsity Radio got the crystal ball out. The here and now, I would love to get your thoughts on, you know, the the, the Big Ten West specifically, and uh, Bill Conley put out his preview of the West, and it's just stunning, Coach. When you look at at Iowa and and Purdue and Wisconsin and uh, Minnesota, you had a you had a boatload of nine win teams last year in the West, and where they were at when it comes to plus turnover numbers uh, during the wins, and just how how costly uh, we're we're just horrific turnovers, the minus and the losses. Right, I mean uh the rundown was staggering, and then there 's nebraska as this outlier of all time outliers with their numbers as we we move it forward here to twenty twenty two what what 's the biggest factor in the west for you is it taking care of the ball is it quarterback play is it rush defense when you categorize you know what ultimately what will win the west in your mind for uh for big ten football in twenty twenty two why
0: well, it's pretty much always the same. One is going to be turnover margin, and the second is going to be uh, uh, scoring defense. Those those two items right there predict and determine most divisional champions. And like you said, there's out there's always outliers, uh, but that's there's outliers and everything. Nebraska has been an outlier. Uh, quarterback play. Uh, when you look at those all of those teams. There's no one that I think has the kind of quarterback that's a real difference maker. They're all solid, but, you know, none of those guys are draftable, high draft choices. And so it's, it's going to come back to turn, turn the ball over and getting turnovers and, and scoring defense. And I think that's, that pretty much can hold up through the years
2: what what are your thoughts with the nebraska defense is is as many guys as they lost and then you figure in what they added okay from from the portal does nebraska's defense has to be does it have to be better than last year's or can it be the same that scoring defense being about three touchdowns a ball game
0: well i i think it's it's got to be um at least uh, as good because uh, I, I'm not convinced that they're going to be more. Um, they're going to score more points. I'm not convinced that um, Thompson's that much of a better quarterback than Martinez. I mean, Martinez is a pretty doggone exciting quarterback. And if if I were going to bet on a team, I'd bet on Kansas State right now because I think Adrian Martinez is a was a big difference maker. Mm. And he, just need, he probably just needs a change of venue. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, I mean, I, I, I think Nebraska's defense, and they did, they lost a lot of guys, and they did pick up some guys in the portal, but you don't know where they're going to go. You don't know where how they're going to blend together to make a great defense. So, you know, I think they've got to be at least as good as not better than last year.
2: Gary Barnett, a few more minutes with Coach on the other side. Uh, we're up against a hard break, so we'll have Coach hang on, but uh, get his thoughts. Interesting take there, and he knows football. Uh, a, on the on the quarterback, uh, do you uh, truly have an upgrade with what is now in that quarterback room versus what's down in Manhattan? Not to, to beat that horse, but it's, it's an observation by him, and then you also factor in, you know, what can you expect from the defense? How do they... How do they mesh together? How do they blend together? Looks great on paper right now, Elijah, to have Oshan and Wynn mm-hmm. and uh, Texas Tech's uh, edge man coming in on Denver. top of what you have with with Garrett Nelson and mm-hmm. a really hungry hungry Caleb Tanner and top of Ty Robinson. So, I mean, you have some some guys back, but man, they don't have that Cam taylor Bird or that JoJo Doman.
3: Yeah, and, and that's been the the theme of the defense we've been discussing is the fact that yeah, there's talent there, but it's it's still question marks. And uh, I, I guess, is the, the, the talent on paper going to translate to on the field? Uh, and that's been the question, not only of, the, of this year's defense, but really the Scott Frost era as a whole. There's been talent on paper that hasn't translated to the field. Uh, so can this defense do it? Can they, can they bring back what they had last season in terms of that ability to stop the in the Big Ten? And it'd be good enough to, to give your offense a chance to win games.
2: Well, it'd be... Very advantageous to have a few more four and a half minute drives versus some three and outs by that Husker offense. More with Coach Barnett. will continue at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Valley. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarcity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR.
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born
0: with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name.
1: It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot pre-teen Swedish boy.
2: Few more minutes. Gary Barnett with us talking some college football. Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, chemistry is so big in summertime now before kickoff. We're talking, you know, the countdown to kickoff. How would you work that chemistry angle as the leader, as the head coach? What would you be doing to to help further that, help grow that with a new quarterback, with two new quarterbacks, with new uh, defensive guys, some that, that had monster NIL deals? I mean, how would you... Grow this team together uh, when you, they're pretty much strangers, or at least their their playing days are are strangers because they haven't they haven't competed together yet.
0: Well, it, it's a combination of creating a grind uh, that everybody has to go through and exposes everybody, uh, and then two a combina- a combination of uh, team events uh, events that. Uh, situations that create chances for leaders to emerge uh, or to show up, and you know whether it's bowling in the evening or whether it's whatever it might be, um, things that that uh, sort of bring the team together. You know, a, a huge barbecue in the park, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, a, a video game contest. So, you know, there's things that coaches can come up with, but you've got to create the grind. The grind is what creates respect for your teammates and for your leaders. And um, the grind's a a, a fine, you know, it's a fine line because the grind also usually produces injuries. So you've got to play that just right, but you've got to create the grind in order to get the respect, mutual respect, by both sides of the ball.
2: Let me ask you, what made Fitz such a good leader?
0: I think Fitz can still relate to everybody. Mm Mm-hmm on that team, I think he can relate to um, the grind. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I think in many ways, leaving, not doing Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin, uh, uh, going up there and getting away and getting into the grind, you know, that that makes it a little harder for him to do that. But uh, he has, Fitz gets a lot of respect from his players, I think and um he was just always that way. He just always had a feeling. He's a fun guy. He was a prankster. He was he was everybody liked being around him. And I I don't think that's changed.
2: Well, that that if you like someone, you want to play for him, right? I mean, it's simple yeah, as that. Right. And that sounds good. I've always wanted to ask this question from a preference standpoint. You you spent a lot of time and still do in Boulder, which is down the road from Coors. You've got a dear friend that's a Bud guy, and uh, you're a, you're a St. Louis guy. So, what's uh, what's the choice? Are you a Bud or a Coors guy?
0: There is no way I'm answering that question. So, <laughs> throw throw that worm out to some other fish. Uh, there's no way I'm answering that question.
2: I was just wondering because you had the best. Well, you, you still had the best of both worlds. I'm sure. <laughs>
0: Well, you're just going to have to wonder privately because you're not getting an answer to that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the answer is Corona, right?
0: <laughs> no, the answer is all, it's all good. <laughs>
2: yeah. beer, yes. I like it. Coach, hit him far and straight today. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for the time today.
0: All right, Chris. Great being with you.
2: Well, I tried. Tried to get the uh, Bud or Coors. I was, if you, I was wondering if you're going to get to it
3: because we, we let off the show with it.
2: And I was wondering, like, am I going to have to jump in here? And, no, and then, I, I, well, no he, you got it. You he, got there. He gave me the Heisman, the two time Heisman. Get away, get away. I'm not telling you the answer. We've got a lot of projection talk today with, with Phil Steele and Coach Barnett. I love his take on the grind, and that fine line was was good. Don't want to beat your team up, but you got to create leadership emergence and uh And put guys in position to do that, and that'll trickle down to respect and I think uh t- you know when we, when we get a chance to talk to to Coach McBride or, or we check in with Grant Wistrom or we talk to, to Jason Peter this spring, those guys they are all in Frosty's corner because of of what they that defense put him through. And that defense daily tried to get him to tap out. It's coming in, they'd won championships, transfer guy, and you're you're the quarterback now with a team that's poised to to go try and win a third straight, and they ended up winning three out of four and daily they just would tee off where you know, quarterbacks didn't wear jerseys in the Osborne practice days right i mean you didn't want to. Smoke your quarterback, but he, uh, he's going to be running the ball a lot in the option game. So he was going to get hit, and, and Frost did get hit and, hit and got hit and got hit. And they tried to make him tap out, and he'd never do it. So that's they, they have a ton of respect for, think of those defenses, right? Think how they treated other quarterbacks. Think how they treated their own quarterbacks. And the guy kept getting back up. So that's where the respect is at from his playing days. And, you know, it's time to see it on the field. And and I think based on some of the comments you've read today with a couple of the players there, they're ready to go 51 days away from from Ireland.
3: Is the question here, how much more does this team resemble who Scott Frost was as a player? Because I don't think you've necessarily seen that come through in his teams over the past couple years that the teams have not played with the the intensity the the effort that scott frost played with at nebraska and i I wasn't alive to see it but i've seen enough highlight videos and i've watched enough full games during covid and that was the only thing you could do is go back and watch these full game replays to get an idea of how scott frost was at nebraska and i don't think that his teams he has built here at nebraska have represented that yet
2: i think it's too it's such a different generation and this i'm not asking you to tell me to get off your lawn all right i'm not I'm not posted up a lawn chair and sitting in the middle of your yard with Crocs and long socks and a, and a tank top. So forgive the old man sound here. But I just I, I think it's a work in progress mm-hmm. from a toughness standpoint. Not that you don't have tough guys on the team because you do and Garrett Nelson and Robinson. And I think uh, you have a tough guy. For sure, in, in, a, in a Hickson.
3: You had a tough guy leading your team last year in Adrian. Absolutely.
2: Who played through everything and anything. But when push came to shove, something would go wrong because you, were, you, were, you didn't make, give yourself enough breaks. Mental toughness. Yeah. The, the mental, well, there's that lingering doubt that existed because you'd never closed one, really, never closed one out in a tied ball game. I mean, feel detailed. Look at your wins. You're winning by 29 to to 40 points in the three wins you did have. Every every other ball game's like right there. And I think there's been a, an overload attempt. It's not for lack of effort to try and make guys tougher, but eventually you got to see it happen on the field. And that's what happens in the position groups to the 11 on offense, to the 11 on defense, to the roll guys, to the specialty guys, to the edge guys, to the nickel guys, to who's going to come in when someone gets dinged in a ball game, right? Like down to depth. We'll uh, run down some final thoughts here with projected offensive and defensive ranking for Nebraska. What's good enough to win for next season?
5: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of hale Barstein. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hail Just go to hailvarsitycom slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of hail varsity. That's hail slash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: Miss us. Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailbarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time, check the podcast out today. Please can do so. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, give us a rating. For Hale Varsity Radio, good, bad, or ugly, we'll take the feedback. So we've talked to Phil Steele. We have talked to Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel. Great stuff on Mickey Joseph. 2022 projections, Bill Conley. Nebraska's projected to have almost eight wins, five conference wins. That's a five and four mark in the Big Ten. Don't know if that's a log jam for two, three, four. It ain't going to win it, but 34th is the offensive projection. Top 34 offense, top 40 offense, top 35 defense. If those numbers hit, that's good enough to get uh, quite a few wins. You look at back at 2018 where the offense ranked and what they were like when it comes to explosive runs. That was key. A lot of that was Ziggy, right? That was Ziggy and that was Adrian. Well, can Nebraska find that element to it. Nebraska did really well last year when it comes to uh, the average yards per completion. They just didn't always find the end zone. Well, can they translate some of that into scores, three or seven, <laughs> one, of the, one of the two, versus a red zone? And to me,
3: that starts with a run game. Doesn't that's, it? Yeah. That's, that's your offensive line, and that's finding a guy, not a couple guys, a guy that is going to be your running back. Mm. You can rotate series, uh you can bring guys in in specialty downs but i think you need to find a guy who is going to be your workhorse
2: hey keep preaching man that's that's the uh that's the hope if you're a nebraska fan find the bell cow there's options aplenty there's talent aplenty and uh, you're going to have a revamped o line and you're not going to have presumably much quarterback run to uh, split it up with it's not going to be a guy running for five fifty or six hundred yards, like like you had in number two. That's that's going to be happening. I mean, maybe they'll get some scramble yards from Thompson or Pretty, or maybe you have a package put together as an emailer suggested earlier this year with Smothers, uh, kind of like Minnesota did in the red zone with their uh, dual threat guy. But you'll need to be. Uh, much much better on the offensive line as an emphasis to run the football so it's not open season uh with Nebraska trying to pass protect and uh not being able to do that a second year in a row
3: and and there is something to a guy who can get some reps behind an offensive line and find consistency um because that that cohesion there I think can make they can make each other look better than they are Mm -hmm. if a running back and offensive line a good cohesion the running back can make an offensive line look good if he knows how they're going to block what to expect and Vice versa, an offensive line can make a running back look good if they're opening up the holes and giving them to the run.
2: Barry Sanders made a lot of his offensive lines look all pro, baby, <laughs> or all American. Reminder to get buckled up, hands on the wheel, eyes and mind Straight ahead, the driver has one job to drive. Don't drink and drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Tomorrow. I uh, am sneaking off to to baseball. Millard North Tournament for Junior and REMAX Southwest. It's Elijah, Bill Dolman, Jacob Padilla. Rick Kaczynski. Coach Kaz, absolutely. going to be good to hear from Kaz. Enjoy your Thursday night. We'll talk to you again. Weekend edition. Don't forget, we're at Wilderness Ridge for Team Jack.
3: A Huda Media Production.